This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, October 5th, 2023. In this week's Intego Mac Podcast, we'll discuss the top 10 new features in macOS Sonoma, and then take an in-depth look at an additional two of our favorite new features. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's Chief Security Analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing just fine. Today, we're going to do a deep dive into macOS Sonoma. And what we're going to do is a quick overview of the top 10 new features in Sonoma. This is an article I first wrote back in June when the beta came out. And we took a close look at the features that would be the most popular, the kinds that you'll notice a lot. Then we're going to take close looks at two of them, which are the features that we think are really the most useful. So let's start now. Link in the show notes to articles on the Mac Security blog for all of this. The first new feature in macOS that's worth talking about is desktop widgets. And you know what? It's so good, we're going to give it its whole segment, so we won't say anything about it now. Is that okay? All right. Sounds good. Safari profiles. Now, if you're like me, you use your computer sometimes for work and sometimes for personal activities. And it can be really annoying when you've got tabs and extensions and all sorts of things that get mixed up together. And maybe during your work hours, you've got things set up for one type of content and maybe at other times you have another. So you can set up a profile to change from one activity to another. You can name the activities. You can set focus modes with each of these profiles. You can have different favorite start pages, extensions. You have a whole lot of customization. I want to tell you, I haven't started using this yet because it just seems a little complicated. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those features that once you've got it set up, like could be really useful. You gave a couple of scenarios there. Like maybe, maybe you have a work profile. Maybe you have a personal profile. Maybe, I don't know, you manage like multiple social media accounts on the same platform. In those kind of scenarios, you definitely want to use something like this because otherwise you're going to be restricted to, for example, using different browsers for every profile, and that can get really obnoxious. Well, one thing I mentioned in my article is this is good for if you're a freelancer and you have a profile for each client. The thing is, the setup is onerous. You've got to really calculate what you're going to do. Now, I already use tab groups. So I have tab groups for different clients. I have one tab group for Intego, one for each of a couple other clients. I have a tab group for podcasts. For all the podcasts that I do, most of them are hosted on the same hosting service. I have a tab group for my accounting software and my different banking websites. So I've already kind of separated that, but I'm not sure that I want to do the profile thing and shift it into another level of separation. This is something I'm going to look into now that Sonoma's here and I've gotten used to it. I think a lot of people will like doing this if they want to have a weekend, a family profile to totally shut off work. For me, working from home as a freelancer, it's a little bit different. But this could be a really good feature for somebody who, for example, uses their personal computer to also do work or maybe has a, a work-issued computer that they're allowed to or just do it anyway, use, use it for personal reasons. I think this feature could get a lot of use for a lot of people. 
not everybody necessarily is going to want to go through the trouble like you're talking about of actually setting up Safari profiles. And so one alternative that might work for some people instead is to actually use web apps. And web apps are so cool. We're going to take a deep dive into that in a little bit. One thing to remember about Safari profiles is that they sync via iCloud. So you set them up on one of your devices and you have access on all your devices. So that actually can make the, the onerous setup time a little less painful because once you've done it on one device, it's good on all of them. When you make a change on one device, it changes on all of them too. Okay, password and pass key sharing. I'll bet you share your Netflix password with at least one person. No, but I know people who have done that in the past. I've heard that this is a thing that people do sometimes. Wait, you don't share that in your home with your spouse or with your children? Well, okay, yes. I mean, See, obviously- that's what I'm getting at. I'm not talking about some corrupt thing here. And by the way, Netflix in particular has really cracked down on this. They have this whole thing now where you can't easily log into someone else's Netflix account unless you've recently been in their home or weird things like that. But even within your family, let's say everyone's sharing the same Netflix and you've got the plan that lets you have four people at a time. Maybe you need to change your password, and instead of telling everyone what the password is, you can create a group in iCloud Keychain, and you can share the password. So if you do make an update to a password, everyone gets the update instead of you having to send a message or write the password on a Post-it and hand it to someone. Right. This is actually how the feature is intended to be used for like a family who's all living together and maybe all need to have the Netflix password like you're talking about, right? This can be a really useful thing. There are a lot of third-party password managers that have similar functionality, but you often have to pay for a higher subscription level in order to get the family plan that includes password sharing between multiple people. And so having this built into iOS and macOS is actually a pretty cool thing. It is. Okay, new screensavers. Not something I really care about because every time I set up a new Mac, I go to that black screensaver, the one with the little Apple logo that bounces around. And you can type a message. And what I do is I put a space so it doesn't say anything because I don't want a fancy screensaver. It just distracts me. But they're really nice. There's a lot of them. And some of them are really big. I don't know. They're, they're 100 megabytes or something like that. I think what they've done is they've taken the kind of screensavers that they had on the Apple TV that they've had for a few years, these 4K screensavers. I'm looking at the categories in Sonoma. There's landscape, there's cityscape, there's underwater, earth, there's aerials, and there's others, a bunch of different kinds of things. And some of them are really, really beautiful. So if you do want to sit in front of your Mac and look at some of these screensavers for a while, you can do that. And if you do have an Apple TV, you've already seen this. If you've stepped away from your TV for long enough, it's already switched to a screensaver. One thing I noticed on a lot of the Apple TV screensavers is... I don't really want to see drone photos of highways in Los Angeles or cities. I want to see nature. I don't think you can choose on Apple TV, at least you couldn't. Maybe you can with the new software. So I'm not so sure that I want to see, you know, Los Angeles overpass or New York at night. But maybe some people, for them, it would be, you know... It would be attractive. I have seen some of these on the Apple TV before, but some of these would be really cool. I, I like the idea of being able to pick which landscape you like rather than just having to shuffle through them. And there are a lot of really good new ones that have been added to macOS Sonoma. So I look forward to trying some of these out. 
It's not just that there are a lot. There are 61 landscapes, 30 cityscapes, 21 underwater, 22 earth, five shuffle aerials, and 11 others. That's more than 100 screensavers. Do you remember back in the day on the old Mac when you actually did need a screensaver to prevent screen burn-in? There was something called After Dark that had a bunch of screensavers. I remember there was the flying toasters. There was an aquarium. There were things like that. And back then, you would actually look at them because they were kind of cool. You didn't you hadn't seen that before. Right. I, I remember seeing like Simpsons after dark screensavers and they had all kinds of things. Okay. So here's a new feature in video conferencing software. And it's not just FaceTime, but Zoom, Skype and other things. You can do reactions. Did you not see my reaction? Kirk is showing this to me right now. He's giving me thumbs up and it's showing giant fireworks behind him on the Zoom call. Right. And I think if I wave, I get something. No, that doesn't happen. I've turned this off. I just turned it on to show you. I think this is a bit eye candy. And I don't want to be in an important Zoom meeting with someone and make a gesture that all of a sudden is going to make balloons show up on the screen or something like that. But I guess if you're doing family videos, then maybe there's some reason to do that. I don't know. Interestingly, they did roll this into all video software. So we're using Zoom for this meeting. And in the menu bar is an icon that looks like the FaceTime icon. And it shows you, if I click it, I see Zoom US. I can turn on the portrait mode from the FaceTime HD camera. I can turn on studio lighting, which darkens the background and lightens my face. And I can do reactions, which do things like fireworks. Good thing this isn't a video podcast because this is kind of annoying. Enhanced private browsing. You are a serious user of private browsing, aren't you? Oh, of course. Yeah. I use private browsing all the time. And really that's my default. When I open up a new browser window, it's usually a private browsing window by default. And then if I feel like it's something that maybe I really need to come back to this frequently, then I'll put it in a regular browsing window instead of private browsing. Okay. Apple has enhanced private browsing windows. And one of the things they've done is they lock private browsing windows when you step away from your Mac. So you have to enter a password or touch ID, which I think is a really good thing. It's a minor improvement, but private browsing is important. You, you don't want to be tracked or fingerprinted and you want, you don't want your history stored when you're finished. So private browsing is great. Here is the most useful feature to me that I have gotten the most mileage out of. This is better autocorrect and predictive text. And I'm going to tell you why I type a lot. Most of my work is typing when I'm not podcasting. In this article, I show an example. Predictive text is efficient. And after EFFI, you see the remainder of the word in a, a gray instead of a black. And if you hit the space bar, it completes the word. Now, what I've found in the 10 days, two weeks that I've been using Sonoma regularly is that I'm developing this kind of habit to type INFO arm space because it's going to complete information. And I'm getting used to the words that will complete like this. Now, there are a number of apps that you can use. Text Expander, I use Type It For Me, where you create snippets, and you type three or four characters, and it completes. And this can be a very long amount of text. This is going to be similar. You see them, you remember them, and as you go on, you're going to save a lot of time typing and not have to worry about misspelling words. Actually, now that you mentioned that, macOS and iOS both have had an autocorrect feature that you can kind of use, like type it for me, that kind of thing, where you type in a few characters that you've pre-selected and it'll insert a bunch of text. But this predictive text is really useful as for those scenarios like, like you were talking about, where 
you frequently are writing long words and that long word just takes a while to type all the characters. And so just knowing that you can start typing the word and then hit spacebar, once you get in the rhythm of that with all the words that you typically use, it's going to be so much faster for people to write a sentence. Okay. Game mode. No idea what it does. They say that the CPU and GPU are fully utilized by the game. I've got an Xbox. I don't play games on my Mac. Game mode reduces background task usage, improves latency with controllers and headphones. Do you play any games on your Mac? No, I don't actually on my Mac. I play a a game or two occasionally on my iPhone, but no, I don't usually play games on my Mac. Okay. We'll look into this more when it's been around for a while and we've heard from people who talk about how efficient it is. Yeah. The the thing that I've heard other people say about this is, but they claim to improve latency with controllers and headphones for better responsiveness. And that seems to be the really key feature more so than just reducing background task usage. When you're playing a video game, especially one that's really graphics intensive, you want your operating system to be able to sort of put everything else behind the scenes and not have to worry about having apps running in the background and things like that. And that's the idea behind this. The latency thing. I'm really curious actually how Apple is doing that. I need to look into that. My guess is that they're shutting off processes that don't need to run. Maybe it's not going to do time machine. It's not going to sync to iCloud, all those sorts of things that could be delayed when game mode is on. The 10th feature, I really like the improved dictation. And we've talked about this in the past. I dictate a lot. And before you would dictate, but you couldn't type while you were dictating. Now, the reason for this is sometimes you say something while you're dictating, but then you type something because you know the dictation is going to get it wrong. So you start typing, the dictation stops, you need to start again. Now you can type and dictate at the same time. If you don't do dictation, you may not realize how important this is. I can do a whole paragraph of a combination of typing and dictation correcting while I'm going on instead of waiting till I get to the end of the paragraph and having to go back and correct. I do this all the time on my iPhone. I have for a long time. And it's kind of shocking to me that this already wasn't on Mac OS. Like, why is this just now being added to Mac OS? Well, they did have dictation, but not the, the dictation and typing simultaneously, which was added, I believe, to iOS 16. So I think they did it on iOS first because a lot more people do it on the iPhone where you have that tiny keyboard. And then why not add it to the Mac? Because... You know, it's the same code. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take a close look at two of the greatest features, desktop widgets and web apps. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users for over 25 years. And our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection. Net Barrier, powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal Backup, to keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more, to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Sonoma and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Indigo Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intigo.com. That's podcast.intigo.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Indigo Mac Podcast listeners. Indigo, 
world-class protection, and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. Okay, before we get to widgets and desktop apps, there is one more thing. You no longer have to say, hey, Siri. You can just say Siri. Okay. Exciting. <laughs> That's probably not the most exciting new feature, but it is a new feature. This is not something I use. I only invoke Siri by pressing a button. I don't want Siri activating when I'm saying something like, seriously now. I'm sorry. If you, if you had this podcast on a speaker and Siri activated, I'm sorry. I've seen this go off in meetings before. Even with Hey Siri, I've seen it go off in meetings before. And that's not something that I want to ever happen. Not only that, but I don't like the idea of somebody else being able to activate it. And Apple's not really ever had a, a, a feature to recognize your specific voice and only allow Hey Siri to work for your voice. That has always really bothered me too. So this is not a feature that I ever plan to use. Okay, we want to talk about desktop widgets. And I think this is a pretty cool feature. If you've been using the Mac for a long time, you remember Dashboard, which was back in Mac OS 10, 10.4. And Dashboard, you'd press a key or you'd move your cursor to a hot corner and you would get this overlay of the desktop with a bunch of widgets. And some of the widgets were from Apple and some were from third parties. They were all in the kind of Aqua interface that Apple had at the time. And they were really useful. Apple got rid of that a couple of years ago. They brought widgets back to Notification Center, which never really worked for me. But now there's widgets everywhere. You've got widgets on the iPhone, on the iPad, on lock screens, on home screens. You've got widgets on the Apple Watch, which I don't know about you. It's a little bit disconcerting that when you turn the digital crown, you see widgets now. I do remember when this feature came out, I used to use widgets all the time back in Mac OS X Tiger in 10.4. They did keep it around for a few years, even after they removed it from new Mac OS installs. It was possible for a little while to with upgrade installs, continue using the dashboard, but eventually they just killed it off. I used it as long as I could with all the upgrade Mac OS upgrades that I did. But ever since then, yeah, I haven't really felt the need to ever go back and use widgets again. I, this is one of those features that I feel like I don't think I'm really going to use with Mac OS or iOS even. Oh, you don't have any on iOS. I have a whole screen. So when I'm on my main home screen and I swipe right to go to the left, I have a whole screen with things like weather, battery, and a bunch of other widgets. But I don't mix them up on my home screens. That just, I find that that bothers my OCD a little bit. On the Mac, it's interesting. So widgets generally present contextual information. So in the article I have on the Intego Mac security blog, you'll see some examples. I show one with a battery widget. I show one with a clock widget. They're not really widgets that you interact with, right? They give you information. When you click them, maybe they open apps, but they're the kind of things that you generally glance at to get information. On my laptop, I already have a battery meter in the menu bar, so I don't need a battery widget. But if you're connecting Bluetooth devices to your Mac, having that widget Showing the level of battery on your keyboard, trackpad, mouse, whatever, headphones is really useful. I often, well, I regularly get notifications. Your smart keyboard is almost out of power. Plug it in. And I keep thinking, why don't you tell me when it's down to 20%, but it waits till the last minute. So this is actually one I might put on my iMac just to keep an eye on battery levels. 
I currently have, I'm going to tell you about widgets on my Mac. I have four widgets. One is the weather in my location. Another one is my calendar app, which shows what I have to do for the day. Another one is the stocks app with exchange rates, because most of my clients are in the US, so I want to keep an eye on exchange rates. And the fourth one is the home app with a couple of scenes that I have, such as turning the light on next to my desk and a couple of other. And the problem with that is if the names of your scenes are long, they get truncated and you can't tell what they are. I don't really want these widgets to be visible. And I've mentioned that I use Stage Manager, where one window is in the center and you've got some stuff on the outside. I don't want to be distracted by the widgets. So I put them in the center of the screen. If I click the desktop, the windows hide, kind of like dashboard back in the day. I can see those widgets and then come back. You know, you're starting to convince me. Maybe I will try this out. I, I like the idea of, for example, I have an Apple Magic Mouse. And the batteries die on it fairly quickly. I use rechargeable batteries that I've been using for many years. And so I have to replace the batteries pretty often. I could kind of see that widget being helpful. And I could potentially, maybe I could start using the calendar widget. That might be kind of useful. Oh, and the clock also you know, I work with people overseas a lot. And so it could be kind of useful to have a few of those clocks. In fact, that's one of the things I used to use dashboard for. This is all coming back to me now, <laughs> the, the widgets that I used to use on the dashboard years and years ago. So I, maybe I will try this out. I'll, I'll have to give it a shot. You can have a world clock with up to, I believe, four different time zones. If you set the time zones in the clock app, you can show the four different time zones for different cities. And so I have that set up for people I work with in Paris, in Los Angeles, in Japan, and in California like you. And it's really practical. One of the cool things about widgets on the Mac with Sonoma is that you can use widgets from your phone. So if you have an app on your iPhone that has widgets, these widgets are immediately available on the Mac. This is pretty powerful because you may have an app that's really important on your phone that doesn't even exist on your Mac, so you can still view the information on your phone. Now, you can't interact with the app, right? But you can view information. Now, one thing that I'm really curious about, maybe you've experimented with this. I see a lot of people talking about this feature and saying it's really useful to be able to add widgets. And the whole idea behind this is there isn't a Mac app that has this widget, but there is an iOS app that has this widget. And so what happens if you add a widget from your iPhone and then your iPhone and your Mac are not near each other? What happens then? Well, in that case, you won't see it on the Mac. This is assuming that the two devices are near each other. I didn't test to see how close. They probably just have to be on the same Wi-Fi network. Or as we know for continuity and handoff, within about 100 feet for Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Actually, it's something I'll test and I'll get back to you next week on that. Another thing, I had a friend test today. I've never used two monitors on my Mac and I had a friend test. And you can put widgets on the second monitor. So if you don't want to be distracted by widgets on the main display and you have a second display, you can stick all your widgets there. You can cover it with widgets. The only thing is when you disconnect the monitor, they don't come back to the main display. It wasn't really clear. He did some testing. They do come back when you connect the second monitor again, but it's not really clear if this is a very smooth process. But it's worth considering that if you have a second display and you don't want the widgets distracting you, that that's a good way to do it. Apple has been pretty good for many, many years with working well with multiple displays where things usually, Windows usually snap back to where they were once you reconnect a display that has previously been connected, as long as you still have those same windows open. 
by the way, Windows is terrible at this and always has been. <laughs> so this is a nice advantage of the Mac. So I, I can I can imagine that probably that's the same cases with Windows snapping back to where they were before that widgets will probably do the same thing. My friend was very surprised when he was trying this because he didn't care about widgets, even though he was a big dashboard user. He was surprised that you could add the same widget twice. And I said, well, of course, what if you want to see weather in two vocations or if you want to follow two different stock or currency things? There are lots of reasons why you would want to have multiple widgets. You might have six widgets, each one to follow a stock price or, you know, widgets for the weather where you work or the weather where you travel often, that sort of thing. So you can have multiple widgets. It's really flexible. And I I really want you to try it out and tell me next week or when you've got some time to see if this convinces you. The idea of hiding them all behind the windows is what really works for me because I just don't want to be distracted by all these things. One other thing I'll point out is that I have a batteries widget on my iMac that shows my keyboard, but also my Logitech mouse. I'm surprised that this works, but it must go through Apple's Bluetooth settings to be able to display this. So it's not just Apple devices that can show up there. That's really useful because about a week ago, all of a sudden my mouse didn't work and I realized that it had run out of power and I didn't get a notification and... So this is the kind of thing that I want to keep my eye on. In fact, the keyboard's getting pretty low. I hope it lasts to the end of this recording. Okay, so the other main feature we want to talk about is web apps and how to use web apps, why you should. So a web app really simply is like a mini browser. You go to a website like the Intego Mac Security blog, you click on the share button in Safari, and you choose Add to Dock. And what that does is it adds an icon to the dock, and you click that icon, and you open a new app that only shows that website. There's no tab bar. You can't add new tabs. You can't add new windows. It's not technically private browsing, but it's browsing that's isolated from all the rest of your browser. And what I like about this is there are websites that I use a lot, and it's a question of having tabs or web apps. And web apps can be really practical because I can just switch to a web app by pressing command tab using the application switcher or clicking the dock, instead of hunting for a tab, I can even keep a web app open in one window and shuffle through other tabs in the Safari window. It's a really practical way to use the web if there are websites that you use frequently. Right. As a feature, this has been available on iOS almost since the beginning of the iPhone. That was how Steve Jobs initially told people to make apps for the iPhone before there was an app store. He said, make a web app, just save it to your iPhone home screen. And now you've got an app that can launch and go directly into a website in sort of a full screen interface that's only that website. So now we have that finally as a built-in feature on the Mac with macOS Sonoma. There are a lot of practical uses for this. I mentioned earlier that Sometimes you may not necessarily want to use that new Safari feature in macOS Sonoma where you have your work and home profiles, for example, or other profiles set up. Sometimes you might just want one app that is just used for that one purpose, maybe just to access that one website. And so you don't really need a whole extra like tab group or a different profile in your browser. And you don't need to open an entire other separate browser for that. You just want one website to run as though it were an app. Another feature I like about web apps is you can change the size of the window and 
macOS Sonoma will remember the window size the next time you open it. So my Safari window's pretty tall, pretty wide. Got to be able to see a lot of tabs. I've got to be able to see certain websites that need the view to be fairly wide. But there are other websites where I don't need to see so much. So I can make smaller windows that are easy to tile if you have want to have multiple windows on the screen. It's really practical. So if you're looking at a website in a web app and you want to view it in Safari, you can click the share button in the web app and click open in Safari. Alternatively, if you're in Safari and you have a web app for the site you're visiting, Safari will display a little banner with an open button to open it in the web app. So you can go both ways very quickly. One more useful feature is that there's a privacy tab in the privacy and security settings per app. And basically the one thing that you can do with this is you can clear website data. You can also set the privacy and security settings for that particular website. For example, if you needed to be able to access your camera, you can do things like that. But you can also clear the website data. So if you just want to reset your web app and you know not be logged in anymore, you can hit that clear website data button and start from scratch. Of course, you will have to log in again when you go back to that website. Right. Okay, so those are the two features that we like the most. Widgets that Josh is totally resistant to, but he's going to try out. And web apps that Josh actually likes. And I think everyone should try out if there are websites that you visit often. One thing to point out, you can't use any extensions in web apps. So if you have like content blockers, or if you use a password manager that needs an extension, you can't do that in a web app. It's a really limited version of Safari. Basically, it's a wrapper for WebKit, which we talk about often, which is the rendering engine Safari uses. And it doesn't give you a whole lot of features, but it gives you the basic features to use a specific website. Until next week, Josh, I look forward to hearing all the widgets you've got on the desktop. All right. Sounds good. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com. <laughs>